Hello and welcome to Brushwork, a podcast about creativity and the people who make it work for them. Today, I'm going to be talking to my old friend, Jason Crone. Jason is, among other things, an artist, a musician, a writer and a poet, a fellow Star Trek aficionado, a teacher of music to middle and high school students. He's also the host of his own podcast, The Creative Curmudgeon, where he chats with other creatives to find out what goes on in the weird world of their minds. I've known Jason since we were both inmates at Paradise Valley High School, and his creative works have been putting a smile on my face ever since. Jason, what's up? Hi, and now I'm going to do mine. Um, yeah, let's do it. Welcome to The Creative Curmudgeon. Today, I am speaking with Jay Smith a Boise, Idaho-based sign painter who goes by Painted Jay. I have also known Jay since uh, Paradise Valley High School days. My, my earliest memory of you is you giving me a ride home from a Modest Mouse concert in 2001. And you uh, have been continuously supportive over the years of my various bullshit, you know, whether it's buying a zine or posting about an album that I did or whatnot. And I'm eternally grateful to you. And even though we don't talk every day or anything, as most people our age with full-time jobs and kids, it's hard to keep in touch regularly, but I'm glad that we're in each other's orbit still after all these years. Me too. I agree. Um, that's funny that you mentioned that Modest Mouse uh, show. I do remember that now that you say that. That totally had spaced my mind. It was a week after 9-11. So it that's was just right. like a that's really right. weird... Time. Where was the show? Was it at the Nile or was it? Um, no, it was the Nile. What was that? Was it Nita's Hideaway? That was like that outdoor. Yeah. Uh, it was, that yeah. That was he, in like Tempe. Yeah, and I remember that Isaac Brock, as per usual, got really wasted and started yelling at a bunch of like ASU bros in the audience. Do oh, you yeah. That? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, uh, but that <laughs> sounds right. It's pretty um, accurate, I think. But yeah, but speaking of zines, uh, I was actually just flipping through Rhymes of the Dying recently. Um, the, and I think this is a variant cover, is it not? What you are holding was a special red and gold uh, just cover that my friend Denise did, uh, who printed all the rest of it. So most of them are like black and white, but then you got like the you got the special one. So, so congratulations. Well, I am nothing if not a uh collector of the rare and uh hard to get things and so when i saw that there was a variant i i had to uh i had to get that one but it's one of my favorites man i have a few um books of writing and poetry from selected friends and yours is definitely up there the humor and the wit in it is is great i love it have, do you still write poetry do you still um, write at all when i when i can yeah i've i've put out um a couple of albums the last like couple of years that were just like you know poems or short stories that uh then would, i would do like spoken word over just like atmospheric music that i would make or whatever since you know spoken word is so popular i thought i should get on that train and make all that money um but it is very hard with my uh uh and this is these this is my therapist's wording severe adhd uh, to really focus on a um, long-term project. I feel like all of my projects need to be, at least at this point in my life, they need to be things that I can start and stop and finish mm -hmm. in like a short period of time. So like yeah. during 2020, I like spent a lot of time trying to write like a longer, 
like novella or novel or something like that. And I would like uh, lose interest uh, pretty quickly. I was talking the other day with a friend of mine during my podcast. We were talking about adaptation. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen adaptation. A few years. A few years. But, but you know, you know, you know the scene where he's like driving and then he's talking about how he's like obsessed with fish and he starts like naming off all of these fish. And then he says, but one day I just decided fuck fish. Like I'm done with fish. That's how it usually goes for me unless I like just have things that I can start and finish within a short period of time. So that's why I started getting more into writing poems and putting it together with just like songs that I would do on Ableton in my own time. It basically, it's all just like puzzle pieces. And then yeah. I have like a bunch of shit in front of me. And then it's like, oh, maybe I'll connect this with this. Oh, that's okay. And yeah. then, and then go on. But yeah, I, I don't have a consistent, uh, you know, like sometimes I'll go like months without writing. Uh, I don't have like a consistent, like I'm, I do it between this time and this time mm. each day or whatever. But yeah, I, I, uh, I've been, I've been working on some stuff for, for 2024. I had some stuff in mind. Do you generally, when you're working, do you have like a set, like, okay, I'm going to be painting between this time and this time. I, I imagine since you have little ones that your time is a lot more limited. So you got to like really squeeze it into certain spaces. It is. And then, you know, for me, like, I don't know, I would really love a lot of my projects to be more bite-sized than they are. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you're this way, but I don't necessarily get bored of things or lose interest in them. It's more that like the longer something takes to me, the more my own brain will start to judge it and start to critique it to the point where I'm just like, you know what, this is, I'm just going to put that aside and not work on it ever again. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's something that I can like quick and knock out real, you know, um, in, in a nice short time frame, mm -hmm. then I like feel really good about it. And I feel like, it's, it's more of like those small accomplishments add up to like a greater sense of, um, I guess, like talent and self-worth. But yeah, the longer something draws out in my head, um, and, and yeah, it's definitely not that I get tired of it. It's just that I, I'm just like, I, I completely overthink it and overanalyze it. Do you do the same? Are you always in your head? Oh, yeah. No, and, and I... I most of the things that i have put out into the world i feel embarrassed by now but it just you know it it is what it is it's already out there there's nothing you can do about it yeah I, yeah uh i mean i could i could take stuff off bandcamp or like whatever the hell but like i mean it was an accurate reflection in some level of what I was going through at the time there was like some things where like it's embarrassing because i feel like it wasn't necessarily a reflection of like me at the time so much as like me subconsciously trying to like fit into something. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But then I've also accepted that that in and of itself is an accurate reflection of me at the time. Is right, that like yeah. identity crisis? So that's embarrassing, but it's also authentic in a way. So what are you going to do? um so yeah. but when you were yeah. growing up like did you did you grow up in a musical household did you go see a lot of shows when you were kids did your parents play music no not really my my dad i think owns an organ and my mom never played instruments neither of them were really into music i didn't have any siblings who were uh into music at all um i the first band i got into was pearl jam when i was 10 
And that was because uh, wrestler Bret Hart was did a review of them in WWF magazine. And nice. I was such a big Bret Hart fan. And I was like, I got to I got to get this uh, CD. And it was taken away from me, actually, by my parents after they because it's lyrically kind of kind of intense. I mean, it's whatever. Like, I don't think that I shouldn't have not had it or whatever, but they they took it from me. And then they went to the Christian uh, bookstore and then they got me a Jars of Clay CD and a Newsboy yep. CD instead. Uh for more like positive vibes or whatever. I never listened to either of them. I, I don't know if that goes without saying. I didn't open the packaging or anything. Um, I, I too was uh, my CD book was raided many, many times by my mom and uh, things. I remember CDs being smashed, cracked in half. Uh, just wow. Scraped with scissors, like everything so violent against these CDs. And yeah, we would have to go to the Christian bookstore and then I would pick out like the hardest, heaviest metal, the darkest sounding Christian music that you could hear. Like some of those bands, like to this day, I haven't heard anything that dark. And heavy. Really? Yeah. But it, it's it's amazing that she would let me listen to that, but she wouldn't let me listen to like, I don't know, like, yeah, the Deftones. Was it similar to, because I don't know if you uh, follow Everything is Terrible at all, but they do a lot of, they, they do you know what that is? Uh, I'm familiar. I don't follow very much, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, they they replay a lot of like, you know, early 90s, like public access, like Christian rap or yeah. whatever. DC where... talk and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's like they're kind of mimicking what the style is at the time amongst like mainstream youth. But then they're spinning it as far as like, you know, who was like really rebellious is my man, JC or whatever. Yeah. And so was was the metal stuff that you found? Was that like they looked metal, but then like yeah, in metal lettering, it would be like, praise God. Yeah, man. I mean, even to the extent of like makeup, um, I remember there was this one band I used to go see. Um, it was called like, what was it? I think it was Project 86. It was the name of the band. But the guy, Andrew, uh, actually it was Project 86 because he, I have a book of his poetry too, which is not Christian at all. But he would always come out with like a skull painted on his face. And like the music was just so like heavy, like doom style metal. And it was just amazing that like I was allowed to listen to that. <laughs> um, have you like I know you've written uh, quite a few things and, and you're a big fan of the horror genre as far as novels go, especially kind of the more pulpy, uh, you know, low, low budget kind of horror stuff. Have you ever tried mm -hmm. to write any horror or any uh, sci fi? A little bit. I've, I've, I've written I've written some horror and that was a lot of what I was. I got really into I was into horror as a kid. I, I read all the Goosebumps and Fear Street and a lot of Stephen King and watched Scream a lot of times and Nightmare on Elm Street and all of those things. And then I, I was always into it, but I just followed it less. And then in late 2019, I got back into it. There was uh this book paperbacks from hell by Brady Hendricks. And it's just this encyclopedia of seventies and eighties, pulp trash, horror fiction and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and I got, and I, I, I got back into that and reading stuff largely from that book. And there's a blog called too much horror fiction that I also go on regularly and read reviews on and whatnot. But yeah, in 2020, while I wasn't leaving the house, like at all, like I read like, over a hundred books like that 
And uh, that was very, I think, essential uh, as far as just the escapism of it. But then yeah. there's also, I, I, I've read some things that I'm not going to be able to articulate well on the spot, but I've read some things that kind of connect love of horror with having PTSD or CPTSD and uh, the writer, Stephen Graham Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but I, I heard an interview with him where he kind of articulated it well, talking about like the slasher genre and how see like the final girl sort of trope and seeing somebody kind of like make it to the other side yeah. of like really the most horrific things possible is not for everybody. Like, obviously, you know, there's some people that like that won't that won't be cathartic for them at all. But like there's 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 something weirdly comforting about the 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 slasher genres as far as that's concerned. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was trying to write a bunch of I, I wrote some short stories and I've uh, me I, I, I've done some like horror poem type stuff. Like one of my spoken word albums was largely horror based. And I just put out uh, an EP of uh under the name wolf dad where i kind of tried the packaging i kind of tried to have emulate like an 80s paperback and including like a weird blurb like in the back of it like something really like ominous with a lot of like dot dot dots and and whatnot um so yeah were you ever were you ever into horror um not much i mean again you know growing up in a pretty religious household i wasn't allowed to uh you know, absorb a lot of that stuff. So a lot of the horror stuff was off limits. Uh, mm-hmm. I really was kind of deep in the sci-fi uh, and fantasy aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now as I get older, like I've I've just in the last couple of years started to like really be interested in like Stephen King and um, and I'm trying to kind of go back. And I always I always look at the books that you post because I'm like, oh, that looks really good. I've never even heard of that before and I have no idea where you find it. But uh, I, I do. I love that kind of stuff now that I'm older. What's good about that paperbacks from hell uh, book is that it's divided up into categories. So if you're particularly into like, like I, I, I happen to like, you know, animal horror, for instance, like things okay. that are in the in the Cujo vein of, of yeah. horror. And like there's a whole section that's like that. Like cryptozoological and, stuff. like Sure. And then there's a whole chapter on like all of the uh, possessed children sort of books and like whatnot so nice. it's if you're if you're looking to get into horror and you kind of have a rough idea of like a fun subgenre or something then it's it, it definitely works for that was there a particular stephen king book that you like really got into lately um you know i i was i started with the shining mm-hmm. uh and because i was really curious i had watched the interview about his opinion of the movie and all that stuff which is one of my favorite movies of all time oh, yeah. um and, but I really wanted to kind of see what his his side of of everything was. But no, I you know, even to this day, it's more of like an interest than like a, a deep knowledge of it for sure. Um, do you know about like the theories about how like Kubrick filmed the moon landing and how yeah, like there's, that there, stuff there's is wild. There's there's a uh, signs of it, like in The Shining, like the uh, mm-hmm. like the sweater that Danny's wearing. And there's something to do with uh, I think it's room 237. I think that there's. Like there's like a documentary connection. about that yeah well that, yeah, that's the name of the documentary but then there's like some significance to that room where it's like supposedly kubrick was like you know putting in the clues mm-hmm. or whatever for i mean yeah i absolutely. love that stuff. that makes sense yeah um, i love that stuff i love the 
just like the crazy like weird i don't even want to call them conspiracy theories because like half of me wants to like believe they're real and like i can see it but at the same time i really want to believe that we went to the moon so i'm like right in the middle there Do you, do you believe that we went to the moon? Well, I never went to the moon, but I, Well, yeah, not it's we, awesome. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is I there mean, any, yeah, is I think there any, so. is there any conspiracy theories that you, uh, that most people don't believe that you, mm. you, you really stand behind? That I stand behind. Wow. Well, I've really been kind of thinking lately about the whole simulation theory stuff that we're all living in a simulation. Like Matrix, essentially. Yeah, basically. And, you know, the whole thing is like if we can create like if you look at like Unreal 5 engine stuff that they're creating and you can like basically play a role playing game, you know, like take Skyrim or Fallout or whatever, and you can create a character and you're walking through this world as that character we will extrapolate that like 100 years from now. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've only had video games since I mean, when I was a kid, Super Mario Brothers came out, you know, mm -hmm. and now we have Unreal 5 engine. So extrapolate right. 100 years, like who's to say that we're not some like weird, fleshy avatar? Do you ever wonder if like, because I'll, I'll think about this sometimes, like what if my today wasn't originally connected to like my yesterday, mm. but like somebody came back and like changed the yeah. the linear time or whatever so like i was doing something totally different yesterday but because somebody went back in time and then like accidentally stepped on a bug or something like that simpsons episode which was based on yeah. well what movie was that uh i forget but like do you ever do you ever consider that i do when i have like really vivid dreams like just the other night i had this crazy dream that i lent somebody a bike and they went for a ride and they came back and like they had flats on both tires and I had to help them pump it up, but then we couldn't do it. So I had to drive them all across town, but we couldn't find their house. It was so real to me and so stressful in my, in my dream. Mm -hmm. And then when I woke up, I had to like convince myself that that never happened, you know? Oh yeah. But also like, what's to tell me that didn't happen. Right. Like maybe that's reality. And like you're in the dream world now. Well, I mean, they're all just synapses, right? They're all just electrical impulses in our brains, like neurons firing. It's like maybe you're remembering something that like actually or maybe happened. when we're asleep we go somewhere else yeah maybe you can do that in animal crossing i think yeah exactly you can, like, like you can cross you can consciousness meet up with people. yeah you can cross consciousness in animal crossing yeah. i believe see that's what i mean if you can do that in animal crossing now in 2024 right what's going to happen in 2124 have you been able to successfully like lucid dream no i can't I sometimes I'll realize I'm dreaming, but that usually snaps me out of it. I don't know how to like stay in there, you know, ride that wave. Yeah, I, I, I've I've tried a few different things. I, I, I it's I've successfully been able to be like, oh, I'm dreaming, and then like you know, tried to yeah. fly or you know whatever stereotypical thing. But like I know people will do a thing, for instance, where they'll have like a wristband on their on their wrist all day, and then if they're walking around in their dream and then they don't see that, then like, that's this, that's the cue. Yeah. That they can just like, you know, or like what is the movie waking life? He says, look at an alarm clock. And if you can, if the numbers are all like weird and you can't tell what time it is, then you know, you're in a dream. Yeah. All, 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 all of that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's fascinating to me. Do you, I guess, do you buy into that? Do you think that is something that people can actually control and 
and uh, I guess manipulate while they're in it? Their dreams. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard of a lot of people successfully doing it. So I I yeah I I I, I don't think that they're all that they're all making it up. I have tried uh, astral projection before. And... That's how you get like demons in your house, man. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In the movies, anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. Or I there was like one book that I read where like somebody was like astral projecting, and then like a demon took over her body like while she was like outside of her body. So I mean, I guess you're running that it's, risk. Yeah, but that's I, that Animal Crossing consciousness swap. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But I, I've never been able to. Like I've I've made my body feel like weird through like you know deep meditation or whatever yeah. that comes with that. But I've I've heard of people, uh, people have told me directly that they are able to like you know rise out of like see their body from from above. And I mean that seems that seems very hard to believe. But I don't think they were trying to impress me either. I don't know why they yeah. would try to impress me. So I don't know. I mean I've I've eaten mushrooms and stuff in my day, and I've had some pretty fun times like that while I was awake and conscious, but, uh, not ever that I really felt that was like a physical thing happening. Right. Me. Right. Um, crazy. Yeah. Well, now that, now that we've, now we've gone down this rabbit hole, what do you want to talk about next? <laughs> I love it, man. I could go down those all the time, but I did want to ask you about teaching. I want to ask you about like, you know, how's, what got you into teaching music? Was it just your love for music? Um, was it wanting to like inspire kids to do the same uh just yeah i uh i i started teaching because i started substitute teaching and did that to match up with my daughter's school schedule as much as mm. possible while also having some some flexibility and whatnot and then that um went into me teaching for a year it was like a long-term sub position at a school in west phoenix to be honest i think it was kind of a scam of sorts because they i don't think wanted to hire a proper music teacher because they would have to pay them a lot more than they paid me as a long-term sub yeah. i've i i i noticed like after i stopped work like teaching there that they still weren't uh uh, looking for like a, a proper like music teacher or whatnot that they were looking looking for long-term subs so it was kind of shysty but anyway yeah I was I was I took that position and had no help and no experience teaching music up to that point and had like between 30 and 40 kids per classroom it was very raucous um, I occasionally had things thrown at me um, <laughs> I, I I think uh yeah, I, I I think you can tell by looking at me that I'm a bit of a pushover. And so I think kids can definitely uh, sense that. Um, but that gave me a lot of experience teaching music. And then I accepted the position that I've had for a few years now where I, uh, I teach autistic kids, which is cool because I'm autistic. So it's... Uh, cool to help out my community yeah do you is it pretty i guess is it pretty self-apparent when uh you're teaching you know the, the the students that you're teaching can you kind of spot somebody who's got a little bit more of a spark of creativity in them or is it 
do you feel like you could just kind of have to like pull it out all the time? Well, some people just aren't. I mean, there's a lot of creative. Everybody's creative, but just like there's some people that just aren't interested in in music, mm. which is I have a lot of students that don't listen to music, which I mean, that's unfathomable to me. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think that's just a matter of like finding the right avenue of what they might be creative in? Like maybe it's not music, but maybe it's art and drawing. Maybe it's like people can be creative in sports, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe. it's just finding their thing. Maybe. I mean, some people just aren't into music or making art and that's, and that's totally fine. Um, we, uh, me and my co-teacher, we start uh, each instrumental class by doing some sort of like genre history um, information exercise where we play a song and then we talk about who it is, what genre it is, like why it's that genre. And it's in hopes or not even hope, but just if a kid, if, if a kid figures out they're really into old school hip hop yeah, and they didn't realize it before they listened to this fat boy song and they're like, wow, <laughs> like this is, I didn't, I didn't know this about myself before. I'm going to, uh, like things like that have happened and that's cool. But if, if they don't go anywhere with that, like that's, that's fine too. Um, but you tend to like put like i guess like uh, nudge and nurture those those kind of kids and kind of feed them like oh if you like this then you know continue on this journey with this as much as anyone will listen to me i mean yeah, i I, yeah. I try to do that with everyone mm. so so i mean that music's like the number one thing i like talking about so like uh if uh people want to talk about music then i'm then i'm super super into that or if they you know if 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 a kid is into Devo or whatever, and then asks for suggestions, then I will, then I will give them to them. By and large, nobody really cares what I think. And that's, and that's okay. It's like the fantasy, right? You get that one kid that's like, can you, Mr. Crone, what, what else should I listen to? And then you just open the floodgates of your history of music. Yeah. And you know, that's like, I, 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 I played the, the shags for, uh, uh, with classes and there was a couple of kids that were really obsessed with the shags or continue to be obsessed with the shags um after that and uh that's really cool and most people thought that it was unlistenable and that's that's okay too <laughs> i don't know if you ever got into the shags but no I, I again i'm aware but i never went too deep right yeah um but yeah i mean i i i try to share also stuff that like i've talked about Daniel Johnston and Wesley Willis and stuff going back to the accessibility or perceived accessibility of like music or whatnot. Like it wasn't for me personally, it wasn't until I got into Daniel Johnston in my early twenties before that I like played in bands, but then when I didn't find people to play in bands with a part of me was like, well, I guess I'm not going to make music then until (laughs) I find other people to play in a band with. I don't know why, but it wasn't until I got into the Hi, How Are You album specifically by Daniel Johnson, where I was like, oh, holy fuck, I can, I can actually do this. And yeah. so uh, we it's play lots of that stuff. There's like but... a weird dichotomy. I'm sorry to cut you off. There's a weird dichotomy of people who like will see art and music and they think like, oh, I could do that. And they just write it off. But for me, and I think what you're saying for you too, is like that accessibility and that knowing that like, oh, I could do that. Like that makes me want to like do it, you know, that makes me want to pursue it even more. Right. Yeah. It's empowering. Um, 
what got you into sign painting specifically? Um, you know, for me, like, I mean, I've told the story before, but for me, it was really just like trying to find a way out of working a normal job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I had always kind of like sketched and drawn stuff in school and notebooks and just kind of drawing, you know, band names and logos in my notebooks and, you know, doing whatever I could to not pay attention in class. Um, and then uh, a buddy of mine, uh, I think you knew him as well, Joe Vaughn. Um, he would always bring graffiti magazines to class and we had math class together. And I would give him my skate magazines and he would give me the graffiti magazines. And that really kind of like showed me that like there's a lot more you can do with letters and numbers and the shapes of things that um, can bring a lot more than just, you know, a message. It's more of like a, a an overall feeling that you can imbue into uh, into letters and, and, and words. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I kind of just like wrote it off, didn't do anything with it until I worked for uh, Trader Joe's for a long time and uh, started doing the signs for them. Um, and then once I kind of did that more, a couple of the guys I worked with had their own sign painting businesses. Uh, and then that's when I realized that it was something that was a viable option as a career. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really I just kind of like jumped into that, uh, a couple, you know, a couple of things happened to kind of point me in that direction and kind of told me like, okay, try this out. And then eventually it was, it, it was a way of making money so that I didn't have to like clock in at a job that I hated and work for people that I didn't get along with or didn't see eye to eye with. Well, um, how did you, how did you, when you, cause I, I think when you moved to well, Idaho is when you correct me if I'm wrong, we're doing it more freelance. Um, yeah. When we moved here, I, I worked a couple, you know, regular jobs. I worked for the grocery store here in town, the co-op, and then worked for another company filling vending machines. I worked, tried working online, doing college admissions, and that was horrible. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I, it kind of like came to this like boiling point where I realized that like, if I keep doing jobs like this, I'm going to be miserable my entire life. And it just felt like I was a square peg in a round hole kind of thing, you know, and I've used that analogy a lot, but it really kind of felt like that it just wasn't a fit for me. Yeah. Um, and I really don't like having to like conform to a schedule that doesn't fit with my wife's and my kids schedules. You know, I want to be as present and around as possible when they are. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time, you know, after the girls were born, uh, Jen and I would just work opposite schedules. Like I would work from like four or 5 a.m. till like two in the afternoon and I'd get home and she'd go straight to work and work till 11. And I was asleep by the time she got home. And it was just like a bad cycle, man. It was, it was mm -hmm. miserable. And so I had to find a way out of it. And, um, once I re once we came here, it really seemed like a lot of the smaller businesses, restaurants, bars, and pubs and whatnot wanted kind of a, a hand painted feel to their signs and to their stores and and stuff and so um i had a couple really good friends who uh had me paint a bunch of stuff at their stores and then uh just kind of started getting the word out and they helped kind of get the word out too and um after that it just kind of snowballed and i was able to kind of quit my normal jobs and do this full-time which is i mean one of the best things that's ever happened to me for sure it's beautiful so it was largely word of mouth uh because for for me 
I'm I'm so so bad at self promotion. Yeah, like me too. When I when I put out an album or something, then I'll post about it maybe twice. Yeah, and then I'll feel like I'm just annoying people after that. And yep. whereas I see people that I follow on on Instagram who are super like proactive about that sort of thing. Cause I feel like you kind of have to be, it's annoying. I'm sure to some people, but like, and it's probably annoying to the person themselves, but that's just like part yeah, of, part I think of it's game. only annoying to ourselves in our own minds. You know, I, I think that there's so much noise out there and there's so many people that are posting, like, look at me, look at me, look at me mm-hmm. that like me posting something that I painted or, um, you know, kind of like saying like hey i did this i'm kind of happy with it like i never felt like that was gonna like annoy anybody too much because i felt like everybody else was doing more of that than i was anyway right yeah no i mean there's definitely moderation to it i've seen people do it like multiple times a day yeah yeah there's definitely people who i don't know maybe do it too much but maybe they're a lot more successful and busier than i am (laughs) yeah i don't even know if it's too much i think i do it too little is the problem yeah, I think there's probably a balance, you know, like finding what feels authentic to you is important, you know, as mm-hmm. far as how much you. um, Yeah, again, I'm really not good at like patting myself on the back, you know, I'll paint something and then I'll go and look at it and I'm like, oh, I don't know, I should have done that or I should have done this a little differently. But then like six months to a year down the road, I'll be like driving by it and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot I painted that. That's kind of cool. Like, I don't mind mm-hmm. that so much now. So I think you have to like separate yourself from what it is you're doing a little bit. So you have the Uh, opposite problem that I have where like at the time that I'm putting something out, I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And then like six months after the fact, I'm like, man, that fucking sucked. Yeah. In the moment, man, I'm full. I'm a ball of panic. Um, I was just doing a job the other day um, and the entire time. I was just like, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. And then like I get done with it. And then like two days later, I look at a picture. I'm like okay, that wasn't so bad. I pulled it off, you know? Yeah. And the customer liked it. And that's, you know, as long as your audience likes it, then it's okay. It doesn't matter, you know? Sure, yeah. I figure if the, if the customer's happy, I'm happy. Have you, uh, listening back to your podcasts, I'm, I'm curious, because, like, with me, I'm trying to make it a point to be less self-conscious. We're talking about being self-conscious before we started uh, recording, but I'm trying to be less so. But when I would like listen back to interviews that I've done, I would just marvel at how often I would say or whatever, like at the (laughs) end of every sentence or how I would just say, um, really loud in between every thought, which I don't think there's anything wrong with those things. But for me, it's like definitely like piercing to Mm. hear someone talking and then hear like, um, but do you hear other people when, you know, and you're listening to the podcast, do you hear the person you're talking to say um a lot or yeah i mean of course but like i don't i don't i don't judge them for it but i judge myself for it right um yeah. and i'm trying i'm trying not to or even when there's like spaces in like even like in this conversation so far where you know if you're transitioning subjects or like neither of us really know what else to say about like a particular subject and then there's that like little bit of space yeah. But while we're transitioning, like that's something that like is in like every conversation. But then yeah. and I hear it in other podcasts, too. But then uh, well, you're I, the one recording it. It's like an eternity of silence. Right. Exactly. It's like, man, I'm not good at this. I'm, I am. <laughs> I, I just I just want to be Letterman and I'm and I'm not. Yeah. 
I think, you know, I think it comes with time. I think, you know, I, I, I'm really, I'm glad you kind of brought up the podcast thing because that's been, uh, you know, yeah, we did talk about this a little bit before we started recording, but that's one of the things like my first couple of podcasts. And I've, I think this is only like three episode three for me. So mm-hmm. you've got a little more under your belt, but I, it's just, you do more and you get more comfortable. And then, you know, as the conversation goes, you get to this point where it's just a conversation and you're not trying to like think about like, oh shit, what should I talk about now? Or what question did I want to ask? You're just, just like, it doesn't matter. You know, it kind of goes out the window and it just becomes a time of two people chatting. Yeah. I, I wonder why, because like you and I talking about like Star Trek, for instance, where it's like, yeah, like we're having, we're having the time of our lives talking about Star Trek. And then I wonder like, oh, is somebody else going to enjoy listening to us talk about Star Trek for some reason? And then I think yeah. about like other podcasts that I listen to where they go off topic all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that part of the thing in it about it for me is that I enjoy listening to a conversation that's loosely about something that I want to hear about without feeling the pressure of having to contribute to said conversation. Yeah. Like if you're, or if you're, a third, like you're railroaded. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're a third wheel in a conversation and like, you kind of feel like you have to, some part of you feels like you have to contribute. And if you're not contributing, then I've wondered if that's why people are into podcasts. I don't know if that, does that apply to you at all? Yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the big allures to me for podcasts. Cause you know, like you can go and like, I listen to a lot of like audiobooks and I also listen, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I used to watch a lot of like, yeah, like you said, like Letterman and talk shows and stuff where it's just like a, a conversation. It's a question and an answer and a right. question and an answer. And that to me, like, it's hard to listen to after a while. Right. But if you're just like hearing two people chat, it doesn't really matter what it's about. Like, I think there's, a, for me, a lot of people, um, or a lot of podcasts I listened to was while I was like working a job by myself, you know, driving a truck or whatever. And it's just like, it's just that escapism again. It's getting me out of my own head thinking about my problems. Right. And just listening to these two weirdos chat about Star Trek, you know, like it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. And I kind of, the more I do this, the more I realize that I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if I want to even like be that strict with a topic or be that strict with, like a, a set of questions i'd rather just like get into the head of the other person and like see where we're at sure yeah no, that that's definitely an interesting thing about it as well i i like i like sticking to loosely sticking to topics that i want to talk about just because those are the topics that i want to talk about and i think yeah. that that's a that's a luxurious thing about having a podcast is that you can you can gear conversations to be more about like what you specifically want to talk about and less of like a, you know, you and I are hanging out and getting coffee and we could talk about anything. And yeah. like, that's a lot of pressure. I don't know. Yeah, But I think people want to listen to that, you know, like people I'm sure they do want to listen to just two people. You know? I'm saying I'm saying that I'm I'm self-absorbed and yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to talk about what I want to talk about. And you're going to talk about that with me. <laughs> well, that's good, too, because I think. I don't know, maybe there's something out there for everybody, because I'm sure there's going to be people who listen to this or listen to some of other podcasts that I, I have done or will do. And they'll just be like, what are you guys even talking about? Like, what are, what is going on here? But right. that's what I love about it, is the spontaneity of it. But right. when you're in it, like we're talking here, it is you get you do get a little bit uh, self-conscious about it. You're like, oh, are people going to like this? Are people going to like just like stop listening? And it's like, 
I don't care. I'm here talking to my buddy Jason. Yeah, and it's nice with podcasts because uh, any sort of uh, like if if I when I would go to set up shows regularly, um, if they went well, and by go well, I mean that they were like well attended. Like I promoted it a lot, and people actually came to it. I would feel like that was a success. And if they mm. didn't come to a show I was promoting, I would feel like it was like kind of embarrassing. And yeah. I feel either way, like that's a weird headspace to be in because even when you're basing the success of something you're doing on like how many how people popular come. it is or whatever, I don't know that that's great either way. But like, you know, you you and I don't see the audience here. And so if, right. if, and if I people think are that, talking with it, yeah, so go ahead. I think that helps for sure. Yeah. Not seeing the audience. Because I think, uh, yeah, if you're like, you know, I've been at art shows. I, I just did one recently. And it wasn't just me. Luckily, there were like six other artists showing work. Um, but like I was so anxious about the whole thing. And I was like, are people going to come? Are people going to like look at art? Are they going to enjoy themselves? Are they going to have a good time? And it's like, I don't have control over any of that stuff like this. I'm I'm just putting my paintings on a wall. I, you know, I had to like go outside and like take a breath and be like, okay, whether or not people come to this has nothing to do with you as a person or like you as like a creative person or an mm -hmm. artist. Um, but it is, it's really hard to kind of separate yourself. And I had to like take a moment and like go outside and just be like, okay, this isn't about me, you know, like, mm -hmm. and people showed up, like, you know, people had a good time and I sold some art and it was, it was an awesome time. But I think that anxiety is inherent anytime that you're trying to produce something or promote something. And then I, I, do you feel like if you had 50 people who showed up that were like really into it um, and, and like really absorbing it, would that be better than having like a hundred people that just kind of like came in, went like rotating door? I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, this goes back to just our experiences getting into more underground music or whatnot where you know that stuff changed our lives yeah so you know it's it's a cliche like you know if, if what i do makes a difference for one person then like that's that's what matt but i mean that's that's fucking cool yeah um i'm, I'm curious with like visual art because like obviously like when people are playing in bands live there's going to be people talking in the background or whatever and like that's that can kind of like mess with your head and with visual art uh, no matter how good it is there's going to be people that like are going to this gallery that like they're not that into sitting and like really like if you mm. spent you know hours and hours and hours on this like piece and then like people like walk by and they're like huh. and yeah. then they just like keep going like like is that is that something you care about um I think it, it's something I care about. <laughs> it's something I care about if I have to take that painting back home with me at the end of the night, you know, uh, yeah. then I'm like, well, that wasn't a hit, obviously, uh, that nobody liked that. But at the same time, I'm definitely not the kind of person, and maybe this is why I'd never got into playing music much, is I'm not the kind of person that wants to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. um, even in an atmosphere of like an art show, like I will go and like hide somewhere. I'll go like walk around the building a couple times or I'll go like find a good friend of mine and like corner him in a room and just like, let's just hang out in here for a while, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't want, you know, I, I get really 
self-conscious in the moment and I get really anxious in the moment of people like absorbing something that I've created. Um, and I think it is, it's, it's, it's partially because I'm in my head, I'm like, Oh, they don't like it. They hate it. I'm a fraud. You know, it's that imposter syndrome. Yeah. But luckily I'm not on a stage with all eyes on me and everybody like absorbing what I'm doing in the moment. I could never do like a live painting. That would, that would drive me insane. What is, what is the process? If I, let's say I came to you and I was like, I want to sign and it's going to say Jason. Yeah. Like, do you generally take further uh, instruction or do a lot of the time do people just come up to you and say like, work your magic, make me a Jason sign. Yeah. I really, I, I don't like it when people say like, when people give me like free creative reign like as mm -hmm. well because that like it's a lot of pressure would, yeah it's a lot of pressure and it, it really requires me to like know a lot about that person right mm -hmm. so like i'll get anytime a business or somebody comes to me and says like hey i need this sign i want it to say my business name or whatever i'll usually say like okay that's great what are you doing tomorrow i'll come to your store let's meet in person you know, and I'll shake their hand and I'll kind of walk around their store. I'll get an overall like idea of like what they're going for, mm -hmm. you know, because if it's like if they want like a really kind of like farmhouse kind of like, you know, vintage aesthetic, you know, I'm not going to go and do some like really fancy, like flourished, you know, thing for them because that's not going to fit. Right. So I really try to like I have to I have to meet people in person. I ha I can't do it over like Instagram message because they'd be like, I kind of want it in this font or in this style and these colors. I'm like, let's just let's talk in person, man. Like, let's get it, you know, and then I'll take notes. I'll take pictures of like where the sign's going to go. You know, if it's going to be on the front of the store, I'll take a picture and I'll be like, OK, like, you know, judging by the style of your store and what you sell and like your whole kind of image, I think this would look really good. And I can usually narrow it down to like, I don't know, like two to three different options for them. And one of those is usually pretty right on. But there's been times where people you know, like will say, like, I just want like this word in green. And I'm like, OK, well, do you know how big you want it? Do you know where it's going to go? Do you know like what, what shape you want the whole thing to be? And they're just like, oh, you decide. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't do this here. I can't do that. That's too much. Dude, it would be I, like a rapper, like freestyling. I, I can't freestyle. Oh yeah. No, that, that, that would be impossible for me, for me as well. Um, what's like, do people get pretty specific as far as like, I don't want the font to look like this, or do you have like sort of fonts in mind based on this particular aesthetic or do you kind of just, is it different yeah. each time? Well, a lot of it's different each time, but, uh, you know, the more I do it, the more people kind of ask for the similar thing because they that's that they see that's what I do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for example, like there was this one um, bar that I was I was making there, there a couple examples. So for one, there's this restaurant and bar in town and they had me do a bunch of signs, but they gave me like the images, they gave me the font, they gave me everything. They're like, it has to be this, this, and this it has to be this color. They give me like Pantone color swatches of like their, it's basically like a brand package, right? That they have mm -hmm. like a graphic designer, they paid somebody to go through and like create their entire image. And they're like, we just need this painted on the wall. And I'm like, 
all right, easy. Let's go. That's, mm. you know, I don't have any thought that I have to put into it. I don't have to like second guess my creative intuitions. Um, but then there's also times where like people will say like, you know, I want this sign. I want to say like this and I, you know, and I'll kind of go through and I'll see their whole kind of image and I'll be like, well, okay, well, I think this looks good. And you're like, well, we want it to look like this other thing you did for these other people. Can you do that? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And so the more direction I get from people, the better, the more like the more specific customers and clients can be, the easier it is to do my job. Do you work better sure. with deadlines or is it more like you take your time and it's like, fuck you. It's done when it's done. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you've said that word word for word to, to a client. So, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I really wish clients would give me deadlines, like strict deadlines, because then I don't just fuck around and, mm -hmm. you know, procrastinate. Like I've got a bunch of stuff back here that like now they're texting me like, Hey, how's it going? Is it done yet? And I'm like, Oh, well, no. Um, and it's like, well, you know, if you said I need it done by, you know, the first, then it would be done by the first, I'd make it happen. But if there's a kind of a loose deadline, then, you know, I'm going to go walk the dog. I'm going to go, you know, go take the girls to the park and sure. you know, kind of procrastinate. I am a chronic procrastinator. And so it does help me when people are like, uh, you know, I need it done by this date. And a lot of times people just be like, how fast can you get that done? And I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll try to do it quick, but then it's never as quick as they want it to be and it's never you know i wish i could get stuff done faster too like you were saying before it's almost like if there's a a set deadline or a set like time things need to be done like bite-sized pieces that's easier for me right like you like you were saying like if you have like a, a project you're working on and it draws out too much too much mm -hmm. you lose interest or you get bored with it or you know you start second guessing it and that sort of thing that's definitely true for me yeah, I think some of it has to do with demand avoidance on on some level. I've I've uh, had some students who have uh, had that, and then that's made me think that like maybe that applies to me on some level as well. But like if I have an actual deadline, even if it's a self imposed deadline to, yeah. to like do something, then like it seems a lot less like it, it's more of a chore. It's more like something that yeah. I'm like dreading doing than if it's like because i already there's already so many deadlines right in life so like it's 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 easier if it's a little more uh i mean i yeah. i i do set deadlines for myself anyway but then like you know there has to be some some looseness to it but like i'm not you know writing i'm not doing spoken word songs for for clients <laughs> so I, I i i was curious how that worked for you how long does it usually take you to do like, I'm sure that there's like a wide, but if you're doing like a sign that's like for like a, the front of a business, like what's the rough time estimate for that? Um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the, on the project and the scope of it. Um, but if it's something that like everything's figured out, like the design is already in place and everything, like all I have to do is figure out, like I, I have to get the materials, get the paint and, and get, going like it's really quick mm -hmm. but if it's something to where like i have to think about like the aesthetic of it and i have to think about like how it's going to look and how it's going to be received and is the client gonna like it you know that i i, I tend to like freeze up in my own brain 
and just kind of like not do it, you know? Um, a lot of times when I'm in the design phase, I'll, I'll just go back and forth. I'll, I'll design stuff or I'll come up with an idea and then I'll just be like, they're not going to like that. And mm-hmm. then I'll put it away for a couple of days and then they'll send me a, a message and say, Hey, where are we at on that? And I'm like, all right, well, this is what I have. I don't know what you're going to think. And they're like, Oh, I love it. That's great. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I could have sent that like three days ago, but in my own head, I was like doubting myself and, you know, right. You know, I, I just, I'm really thankful that you wanted to to do this. Cause I, it takes me again, like getting back into my own head, you know, I, I definitely overthink things and I definitely, um tend to kind of like doubt uh why am i even doing this and then when you reached out and said you wanted to uh to do a podcast i was like yes all right let's go yeah i uh i'm I'm glad we got to do this as well it's uh a good opportunity to just like have cool conversations with people and then you happen to be recording it yeah so it's 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 fulfilling in and of itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're doing podcasting. I, I, I've enjoyed listening to it and I look forward to, to future episodes. How do you, is it generally people that like you just already are friends with that you're looking to reach out to, or who do you kind of have in mind? Yeah, right now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that like most of my friends are pretty interesting people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm pretty grateful that a lot of my friends have actually like interesting things to say and uh, I'm interested in what they do. Um, you know, I, I don't really have any sort of like grand vision as far as like I want to have this person on or this person on or whatever. It's it's mostly like it, it's kind of like an exercise for me to, you know, have conversations with people that I don't necessarily get to have conversations with very often or, yeah, you know, talk about things that I'm interested in or that sort of thing. It's it's not, there's no real kind of like plan to it. When you started your podcast, was it the similar kind of thing or were you really like doing it for a specific goal in mind? I mean, I uh, started it and by just talking with friends of mine and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing that, but it's been, uh, hard for me to get back into uh socializing like it's mm-hmm. making making the effort to socialize with people is is difficult and so i uh thought that this was kind of a good way to do that and like i was saying to like you know talk about things that like matter to uh both people and yeah. It's been cool to also have conversations with people that I've just been fans of uh, before that. And, you know, the fact that I'm I'm sure that there's like a lot of, you know, people who would just like reach out to somebody who's just like and say like, oh, yeah, I have a podcast. You want to be on my <laughs> podcast? But like if you actually have a few episodes that are online and somebody can see like, oh, like this is the thing that this person does then like they yeah. they might be more likely to agree to it than if a stranger just reached out on on the internet with like no <laughs> no history of a podcast or whatever so that's been that's been cool yeah i think it would be really hard for me to do it with somebody i don't know i think it'd be really hard for me to do it with somebody i haven't met before you know it, mm-hmm. it'd be really almost intimidating to me because i would 
want start to think about like, what are their expectations um coming into it and it's like if you haven't met that person it's like do you have any chemistry with them or do you have anything in common um i think that's a big part this is the first one that i've done uh remotely like on zoom do you mm -hmm. do most of yours on zoom or calls uh, uh some some of them i've i've done in person but i mean a, a lot of people that i've talked to aren't in arizona anyway Right. So it would it, it I'm 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 very thankful for for the uh for the Zoom technology because yeah, yeah then we can we can have these kind of uh these kind of conversations. Yeah, it's really nice. I I think the the ones in person um I don't know, they almost seem like they're a little bit like more harder to get started, you know, because it's like you have that conversation and you're like, oh wait, we should you know start recording or you know, there's a lot of there was my last one I did, I was having quite a bit of like technical difficulties with the microphone and that kind of flustered me and put me in this like weird mind state to start with. But then mm -hmm. once I got into it, once we started talking, it it was pretty, it felt pretty natural and felt pretty fluid. Um, but it's almost like when you and I set a time, you know, we're going to meet at three and we're going to do this. And then we, we met up and you're just like, okay, I'm going to hit record. Let's go. That was like, almost easier for me than having to think about like all of the different things like is my laptop working is you know is everything connected and right right yeah do i have food on my shirt <laughs> yeah things yeah. like that yeah no totally um well, have you ever okay. done like uh release them as video and audio no no <laughs> i have no interest no <laughs> i i i i i uh i'm already so self-conscious with just the audio component of it like the last thing I want to do is watch myself face. in a conversation. Like, no, fuck that. Are you going to do a video at some point? Past podcasts. I can't do it. Like you haven't like gone back and listened to them at all. I listened to like the first 10 minutes to see if it like the audio is okay. And you can hear my voice. You can hear their voice. And then I, I, I can't do it. I, I have to turn it off because I'll do like you said, like, you know, you start thinking about yourself like, oh, I just said, um, like five times or right. I keep like interrupting or I keep interjecting myself and and then i get really self-conscious and I, i'm like oh i'm horrible yeah no i, I I'm, I'm trying to make it a point to not uh listen to them as much unless there's like something i remember from the recording that was like glaringly like there's technical difficulties for a yeah. few minutes or something like that um because yeah the the payoff of going back and listening and like hearing all of my mistakes and whatnot doesn't seem per particularly worth it so in a way like my one of my goals is to work less hard. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, I, yeah, I think the goal is to get out of my own head as much as possible. Like today I just put out one, but it was like a playlist. It was basically like a radio oh, yeah. show. I saw that. Mm -hmm. And I put, I put 20 songs out and I, I didn't want to talk much because I, you know, I don't want to hear myself, but I, uh, I would play five songs and then I would just like say like a, one or two things about the songs I just played and I would record it and then I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it on there. I'm not even like listen to it and see if I need to re-record it or if I like stuttered or like messed the word up. I just have to like put it up and I don't think that anybody cares. I don't think that that's the important part, right? I think the important part is you just kind of put yourself out there. Yeah, no, totally. And the less you judge yourself, the I guess I think the more authentic you can be. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. I generally ask people... Uh, or I've, I've started to do it the last few episodes, if there was a book 
and or a film and or a song that was particularly inspiring to them in some way. I didn't I didn't ask you to prepare anything like that, but do you have anything that like immediately comes to mind? Book, a film or a song? Yeah, and um, or and any combination of those things since yeah, we yeah. didn't we can talk about this well, in advance. I usually have like four to five books going at any given moment, um, mm -hmm. which is bad because it, it means I rarely ever finish a book. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm rereading The Fellowship of the Ring. Cool. And I'm also reading um, a book about fly fishing and like three other ones. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I, for me, like, I don't know. I get. I feel like I should finish a book like that. That sense of completion of finishing a book is really important. But I find myself to be very like ADD, and I can't. I have to like kind of switch channels. Mm -hmm. And so I'll read a couple chapters in one book, and then I'll put it down, and then like I'll read a couple chapters in another book, and then the next week I'll go back to the first book, read a few more chapters, and so it's really. It, it takes me a really long time to actually finish a book. Um, my wife. And I did this thing, or she did this thing rather, uh, where she reads like it's through the local library. She reads like 50 books a year and there's like different topics. You have to read a book about uh, with a female antagonist or you have to read a book about, you know, PTSD or whatever. And she's really great at like knocking them out and finishing them. But for me, I, I tend to have too many things going. Um, let's see, the last film that really stuck with me oh i just rewatched. nope the uh jordan peterson oh yeah no it's great movie. yeah and i love that i mean i i love that movie i can't get enough of it his I movies are so good i think about the soundtrack the acting the mm -hmm. the whole visual visual of the creature itself is yeah. amazing to me the, yeah. the barrenness of like the atmosphere plus like the alien plot like it, it was all yeah. it was all very beautiful yeah. and the beauty yeah the beauty of that alien was amazing Mm -hmm. So good. So totally. good. And yeah, I love it. But that kind of movie to me, um, I've, I've watched, I've tried to watch a few movies lately that I couldn't finish and I just haven't been into. Um, what was the third one? The, the, the song? Just like if there's a song that was like inspiring to like you as, as an artist. Yeah. I mean, maybe not inspiring, but there's definitely like I, I, that, you know, that list that I put out today, that first track on there, um, from dan deacon um is a song that i heard a couple days ago and it's i just can't get it out of my head it's uh let me see if i can find the name of it so i don't butcher it here um it's called when i was done dying by okay. dan deacon and i had never heard of him before but i think you know it's kind of in the vein of a lot of that stuff we used to listen to in the early mid 2000s like i still listen of, to it yeah me too yeah. me too i, I love yeah. all that stuff but... a lot of a lot of the music that i gravitate towards especially if i'm like really mentally fatigued for any reason insomnia mm -hmm. stress like whatever like a lot of the music that i'll gravitate towards are like you know stuff that i've listened to for 10 20 yep. 25 years or whatnot yeah i keep i've been going back a lot to um ugly casanova Oh, okay. Uh, Sharpen yeah. your teeth album, mm -hmm. um, and which is funny that you had mentioned Modest Mouse earlier. But yeah, that uh, that album to me is one that I, I, I keep going back to, and I can't stop listening to it. What about you? Film, book, movie? Oh, I was. Afraid and then I'll that let you, you go. Gonna, I was afraid you were gonna. Since this is like a cross interview, I was afraid that you were gonna like flip it on me. 
Um, so song, I would go with probably something Daniel Johnston. Like I'll, I'll say, I'll say walking the cow, but something from the hi, mm. how are you album? Uh, just because of the accessibility of it. It being one of the first things that I heard that made me think like, Oh, like I can, I can do this this way too. Um, so that and oh god film and a book for a book i'm gonna say breakfast of champions but i don't okay. know that it's 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 weird when you're uh into something and then you don't know whether you like it as much as you do i mean vonnie gets amazing but whether you something like resonated with you because of just like where you were yeah. in like that time period versus uh the actual like you know quality of it or whatever and there's uh there's definitely stuff in breakfast of champions where it's like oh god he he this was written in the 70s he shouldn't have, <laughs> he shouldn't have said that but the it's similarly to daniel johnson like the accessibility of it like that was like one of the first things that i read that was like you know i feel like vonnegut has that effect on a lot of people as far as just yeah, like cat's cradle is one of those for me too yeah yeah it's it's not simplistic writing but it seems simple and so, like, the way that he's able to take uh, so many of his sentences and kind of, like, simplify them. So he's, like, kind of explaining something about humanity, existence, science, whatever. But it's in, like, this bite-sized way that, like, just, like, kind of, like, sticks with you. The way that, like, a catchy pop song mm -hmm. will, like, stick with you. Just, like, the simplicity of it. I thought that that was, like, really mind-blowing. And film. Oh, God. Batman Returns. I'm going to say Batman Returns. Nice. I uh pick. It, it's it's my favorite movie um and I I rewatched it uh during the the Christmas uh the Christmas season and it is a Christmas movie. It is technically a Christmas movie even though I think it came out in the summer. So it's weird that it was a Christmas movie, but there was something about Penguin and Catwoman in that movie mm -hmm. that really i really identified with without even realizing that i identified with it that i first got into that movie when i was like nine or ten and that was like around the same time that like my parents were getting divorced and there was um just the first time that i started feeling like i didn't fit in with people like the 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 existential dread and depression yeah. and other things around the time I was 10 that was when it kind of started like setting in that maybe life wasn't all like rosy and there was something about those characters that like the the fact that I was starting to feel like an outcast I was identifying identifying with these outcasts without, without even like realizing that that's what was happening at the time but there was just like something really comforting about watching and Batman himself is like also yeah uh, obviously an outcast uh yeah but but so yeah there's something that... about like the way that tim burton like the visceralness of like the penguin eating that fish or oh when yeah catwoman like her half of her mask is torn and her hair is coming out and frayed and it's just like yeah i i, I feel that no yeah no absolutely so yeah those are those off the top of my head those are my three nice nice that's um, awesome man 
Well, Jason, dude, I'm so happy that we did this. I, I I love talking to you. I wish we did it more. I wish, uh, you know, if we lived in the same state, we would definitely be getting together for coffee more. I think you're a fascinating dude. And uh, I'm happy you're doing the podcast and I'm happy you came and did mine and I'm doing yours. So back back at you. I'm, I'm thankful we've, we've kept in touch after after all of these years. And I'm thankful that your your sign business is flourishing and that you have a beautiful family and uh, Boise seems like a beautiful place and can, congrats to you. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate everything you do and uh, say hi to your family as well. And uh, man, let's do it again soon. Let's talk again. Sounds good. Oh, I'm Still remain in sack of course for me. How that last-